Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the number one podcast in your hearts and in your dreams. It may not be ranked high on the charts, but it's near and dear to all your hearts. It's teeing it up with CNV, back for another episode, well into football season. But first, I'll catch up and introduce my co-host, Vladdy, with a V. What's going on, man? Not much. Um, I I actually think the 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 slate of football between Saturday and Sunday was phenomenal, mm-hmm. given the fact that we don't really have where we didn't have teams with like vested interest in the Lions were on a bye, and we've already said what we needed to say about Michigan State, even though they did win a game. Apparently, good for them. Woohoo! Green. There it is. There there's the Michigan State coverage for me, but I'm doing well. Uh, nothing really outside of outside of sports, so I'll keep it there. I'll turn it over to you, and then. We'll get into it. So how are you, man? I'm good, man. Same old, same old. Another Monday. I'm good to be back on Monday's recording. Um, been a couple of weeks since we've been doing that. True. Other than that, nothing in my life has changed uh, since we last recorded, to be honest. That's of, of, that is of note to the other listeners. Um, so off the hop, this is going to be strictly football today. Uh, not really any topics. We're going to go over. I know uh, Michigan State's about to tip off for their first game. Tonight, we're going to do kind of a preview coverage of them next week. Uh, we kind of figure we can go more in depth next week with them, uh, with as long as some more Lions talk uh, ahead of the Champions Classic against Duke next week. Uh, they do play two games this week uh, against some mid-majors, so hopefully those are nothing crazy goes on there and we don't get punished for not talking about them and acting like next week is the actual first week of the season. Hmm. Um I'll just get right into college football since that's kind of where we usually start these. Uh, your surprise of the week. Um, I'm going to say Jeff Brom and the Louisville Cardinals. Um, I think we we, we we were watching the Saturday games together. I think we might have brought it up. Uh, former Purdue coach Jeff Brom returns to his alma mater. And in year one, they're firing eight and one. Now I understand they don't have to play Florida State in the regular season. I don't even think they play Clemson, to be honest. Nope. So schedule bounce very favorably for them obviously no more divisions so it is it is what it is in that sense but hey you're eight and one and you've got a very winnable game coming up next weekend should be nine and one and then you got yourself Miami and Kentucky to kind of end off the regular season and could set themselves up with a very very tasty uh kind of ACC title game now I will say at as a, an eight and one Louisville team, you're not gathering or you're not garnering the respect from all these teams. So they could be on the outside looking in, even if they're 12 and one. But at least it's worth noting that the Louisville Cardinals are playing high level football and are near the top of kind of the national chain. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, with some of the other games that happened this weekend, where it looks like not as many teams are going down as we might have thought. Uh, that you're right that a 12 and one Louisville might be on the outside looking in considering some of the other one lost teams still very much alive uh, that I, I would put ahead of them. And I mean, like you said, if you want to be anybody for somebody, you got to be Miami and Louisville or Miami and Kentucky to end the year. However, I don't think those are necessarily locks for this Louisville. Team. Not at all. Um, I think we uh, lost and Duke you. are kind of really the only notable wins. What? I think we lost you. Just kind of re- restart that last like 10 seconds. I'm sorry there. Uh, I, I said really, of no, really their only notable win so far is our Notre Dame, who we'll, I'm sure, get into, uh, and Duke, who's kind of fallen off after a, a good start. So 
I mean, they've killed pretty much everybody, so I guess there's that. But we'll see how this it shapes yep. up for them. Uh, my surprise of the week is a player and not a team, and that's Jalen Milrow, uh, a guy who I think has been shit on all year long, quite frankly, lost his job at one point, uh, only to put up a near 50-burger in a rivalry game against LSU. He was running the ball. He's still got the deep ball looking good. He kind of looks better every week, and the stat lines get better and better every week. That was a scary effort by Alabama in general. They looked like they – uh, they look like the Alabama of old on offense, kind of firing on all cylinders, five-star recruits all over the place. McClellan looked great. Uh, he'll be a great high pick, I think. Sorry, Burton, uh, wrong guy. Um, oh, they're both good. Uh, but anyways, Jalen Milrow looked like a different man against LSU Saturday night. I had the under in that game, and he almost got it himself. Uh, I think he's kind of – and I think – Credit to Nick Saban and who's their offensive coordinator. Is it Kellen Moore? Is that who their offensive coordinator is? No, Kellen Moore is he might be with the Chargers. Oh, okay. That's you are completely right. I knew it's it's some trendy name as their OC right now, right? I'm sure it's someone who had some domestic issues and Nick Saban's gonna bring him in. He's gonna get a head coaching job somewhere else in the year. But oh, it's Tommy just, Reese. Tommy oh, Reese. <laughs> I knew it was a former player, and I, Kellen Moore is always the former player OC that comes to mind immediately um but it's tommy reese can i say um, one can i just say a devil's advocate about jalen milrow though did he look good as a passer or did he look good as a runner because no one's ever slated the fact that he can run that he can't so, run so this this is what i was kind of going to say next is i think they've learned the balance on what jalen milrow can do mm-hmm. and they found uh uh a cadence of plays that best show off those talents. And yes, it was mostly running the football on Saturday night, but they know what he can do as a passer. And they're, they put him in more and more good situations that work for him and his skill set as a passer. I'm not saying it's not limited. It clearly is. Um, But I think the Alabama coaching staff has figured out what he can and can't do. And it makes him look much more effective as a quarterback. And that's scary to see for an Alabama team. Um, that people have forgot, and I think beating LSU in the fashion that they did uh, on Saturday night kind of puts them back in people's kind of heads as we move forward and get closer to a playoff push. Yeah, I mean they'll be they'll be eleven and one going into the SEC title game, so they're they they have one game, they win it, they'll be in the playoff, which is like you say, this is an unexpected thing. A lot of people, I'm I'm probably the leader of that. A lot of people kind of threw them away. Uh, here they are, and. Maybe it'll be nice to see a different version of Alabama, one that actually had to scrap and claw and fight its way in as opposed to the one that we've kind of seen for the last half decade that's almost entitled to be there. Like You just look up and Alabama sitting as the one seed just laughing at you. So maybe that'll be a nice little change in rhetoric and maybe just kind of kind of perception of an Alabama football team. Yep. Uh, the game of the week. So this is where I think I told you beforehand I'm, I kind of go a little off script. I'm going to say all of them. This was one of the best slates of college football I can ever remember. Starting at noon with Kansas State and Texas, great overtime game where Kansas State yep. could have, maybe should have won. Going into the 330 games, you have Bedlam, or the last ever scheduled, quote-unquote, Bedlam, and then Georgia-Missouri. The Bedlam was kind of a great back and forth, and then Missouri on the road holding their own against a Georgia team. That doesn't happen very often, and they were honestly one poor decision from the quarterback away from from being able to say who knows what could have happened in that game. 
and then takes you into the night games. Uh, USC Washington kind of reminded me of the uh, the Baker Mayfield Patrick Mahomes game I think in 2016 where they combined for like 1,200 yards of offense because none of those teams could stop each other. And then we mentioned LSU Alabama. It was just it was a perfect slate of college football and. I kind of maybe I'm taking a cop out here, but I say all the games are the game of the week. No, it's it's a good answer. Uh, the one thing I wanted to add the Washington USC game. Maybe it's because I wasn't paying that much attention at that point in the night. But did you see what Michael Penix's stat line was? Uh, not fully, but like wasn't good for scoring 52 points. Like I was kind of like. In my head, I checked, I think, Sunday morning thinking like, oh, like it, it, he's got to be the Heisman because I can't have J.J. McCarthy winning this. So I want Michael Penix to do. Yeah, the but that, that was um, the, the running back. I forget his first name. Johnson. He ran for like he 106. Yeah. He went dumb. I, I, I know that. I know it was a mostly kind of ground based thing, which you don't associate with Washington. But I do know that um, that was just kind of like a, just a, the classic offense, offense, offense. I, I'm, and I'm, I'm looking I'm, at it. It's not even that bad. I just thought I just thought it would be some crazy number. It's twenty two for thirty, two hundred fifty six yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Yeah. But I was expecting some four hundred and fifty number, uh, and so to only see two fifty, I was like, I kind of did a double take and at that because I, I, he's, bomb. yeah. Well, he, I want him to, so you want him what? I want I I want him to win the Heisman. I root for him the most. I'm gonna be honest. I uh, it might not have been a stereotypical good game for him, but I do think he is the front runner. I think it's him and Bo Nix at one and two. I think Marvin Harrison, after kind of putting up a, now I'm not yeah, gonna we call talk- it a dud, but he put up kind of a low output. I think Marvin Harrison has kind of fallen behind the pack and will probably need some Devonte Smith legacy games to get himself back into the mix. But I do think it is firmly Bo Nix, Michael Penix, and then you probably got Jaden Daniels and J.J. McCarthy fighting for kind of the third guy, at least to me. Other yeah. people might see it a different way, but that's kind of my uh, that's kind of my Heisman hopefuls. Yeah, I, I the Marvin, I told you this in person, and that was even pre them kind of slipping by Rutgers. I know they pulled away at the end. Um, but those numbers, I think he's got just under 900 yards right now. Two years ago now, or – Three years ago, whatever it is, I think it's two years ago. Two years ago, when Devontae Smith it was like, three, had, that was the COVID year. It was three now. Wow, he were old. <laughs> he had, I want to say, eighteen hundred yards and like nineteen touchdowns. Or no, he was. Yeah, that it, obviously it helped when I think Jalen Waddle went down that year, and so it kind of just turned into the Devontae Smith show. But no, you're right, and not only that. Oh, I also I know we talked about this and we watched him a little bit before we went out Saturday. But Malik Neighbors. We talk about Marvin yeah. Harrison Jr. Malik Neighbors is outproducing him in every statistical category, but he's not. Mar- he, his last name isn't Harrison. His dad isn't a Hall of Famer, and it, the perception is the perception. Uh, I just, I again, I love Marvin Harrison. I think he's going to be the best wide receiver prospect since Calvin Johnson. But prospect and player on the field are two different things. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Uh, Devontae Smith, eighteen. Uh, 1,856 yards, 23 touchdowns. That's filthy. In 13 games. So that would mean that Marvin Harrison, in his last four games, would need to go for 1,000 yards to, to get there, essentially. I think hey, he's I've at 890. Seen, I've seen him put up 200 in one game. <laughs> that would be 250 in a game for four straight games. But yeah, that's, no, that's... that's more my point. It's just I don't think he's going to be – what. 400, 500 yards short and have half the touchdowns probably. 
Like, yeah, I don't know if you can award, like, give it to him. Unless well, the other really thing with the Heisman is, I, I, th I, while you make good comparisons about what it took for a receiver to win it then, it's, it's not always the best case because who Devontae Smith was competing against isn't always who Marvin Harrison's competing against. So I, yes. I understand the point of giving baselines. I just don't think the baselines hold very much weight because if you have a C.J. Stroud-esque QB from the last two years dropping up 400 yards a game and – playing near flawlessly at the college level. It's a little bit harder to win because if I remember correctly in the Devontae Smith year, Trevor Lawrence was kind of down. Mac Jones was his quarterback who wasn't really that high recruit out of high school. So he did he had the perception going against him. And you kind of just ran around and it was like, well, well, what's gonna happen now? And Devontae Smith won a Heisman for it. But yeah. It is crazy though to think even then I I, I agree with what you're saying. And it, maybe that goes and helps – that point actually helps Marvin Harrison in that he's got a guy that's probably kind of just a system, like game-managed yep. college quarterback at this point, Kyle McCord. Yep. You know, maybe he becomes something else later in his career, but as far as what he's we've seen this year, uh, it's kind of strictly just a solid game manager. Um, it's why I don't think Ohio State is going to um, be there at the end of the day, despite them kind of having the best resume right now. Um, but yeah, so maybe the, I, I do agree with your point though. You have, you, it, you're comparing it to who else is out there this year. Um, and this is a fairly good year of quarterbacks. I don't necessarily think anyone is. Wow. Oh my God. I mean, I, I looked at Phoenix was at 3,200 yards. I'm not sure what Bo Nix is at, like the problem with JJ McCarthy and it's, this is the state fan. This is the argument. Everybody in the country that's not a Michigan Wolverine fan makes is, they haven't played a team that's worth a damn yet. And so it's great when you put up 45 against teams that like don't mean anything, games that don't mean anything. But J.J. McCarthy's kind of Heisman hopes to me turn on this Saturday and three Saturdays from now. So I'm also I'm going to take that a step further, and I shouldn't even think this is a Michigan State bias. Michigan is a run-first offense. I'm sorry, you cannot win the Heisman as a quarterback if the main objective for yourself is turn around and hand it off to Blake Corman, Donovan Edwards. And that's not a shot at J.J. McCarthy because he's just doing what's being asked of him. And you know what? If it was so easy to stop it, why didn't teams stop the run game? The Michigan run game is phenomenal, so why mess with it? I just think that if your primary goal as your quarterback in Michigan football is to take the snap and then turn around and give it to someone who's going to run for seven yards of carry, you can't be the Heisman, in my opinion. Now, maybe that'll Who you want better? And yeah, sure. the yards and everything isn't isn't – everything he's last this past week against Purdue was the first time he threw for over 300 yards yeah I'm not shocked uh, and they just and, don't throw enough and again that's yeah. not his fault that no one else can stop them and that he's usually sitting by the third quarter that's not his fault it's not it's right. a slight at him it's just the fact that those are the facts you cannot be the uh, Heisman if yeah. you're sitting half of the game and when you are actually playing you're handing it off no it's a good point you make because the second stat I looked at is that was the first time he threw over 30 passes since week one against East Eastern Carolina, too. So, Well, we'll see what happens. The important games are all up. I think I'll probably mention it here soon, but there's another massive slate of college football games this weekend. So we'll just watch it unfold. But I think we strayed very, very far off of where we were originally going. Is What is your game of the week? Uh, mine was Bedlam. I think just because of the, the atmosphere – and the stakes of the game, Oklahoma State, two ranked teams, big rivalry. Uh, it ended up 
Austin and Oklahoma any chances it has at any postseason aspirations. It was a good back and forth game. Um, kind of could have gone anyone's way from what I saw. Uh, and it was a stereotypical Big 12 game with not a lot of tackling from what I did see uh, as well, which is fun. I think, I mean, the final was only 27-24, so it wasn't like it was a Big 12 explosion uh, like the Mahomes-Baker game you mentioned earlier. But that was my best game just because of given the stakes and the rivalry and the closeness. Um, I think, like you said, you could have gone with a couple of different options. Mm -hmm. uh, there were some great finishes. Uh, but that was for me, I think, just given the stakes of everything, that was probably the best. I, I would probably say a close honorable mention for me was Texas, Kansas State. That was the only one that went to overtime. Um, really only thanks to a Kansas State absolute choke job by that kicker. I hate calling out kickers like that because I'm sure that kid got so much shit going back to campus. Um, but that was a 29-yard field goal I think he missed to basically cost them the game, essentially. Hey, hold on. I'll get. I'll give him some slack. He did turn around and hit like a fifty yarder, take it to overtime. To force overtime, yes. So right. I'll right. I'll give him some slack. You're right. You're right. I'm a little hard on him. <laughs> and you still got it. You still got to play defense in overtime. Like yep. It's not all end all. Um, but Texas in general, man, interesting dynamic. Obviously, Kansas State's not no slack of an opponent. Um, but are they back? Are they really back? Like, I know this is obviously playing with the backup quarterback. I'm not really sure what Quinn – I thought Quinn Ewer's situation there was a one-week thing. Uh, I know that was the second week he missed. Do you know anything about his status going forward? Because I think Murphy was fine in the first game. Uh, he struggled a lot in that game. I have, I'm, I'll be honest, I have no idea. Um, I'd assume that he's he gets healthy before the end of the season, and I think – I think Texas is good enough to be able to kind of escape and kind of trip and fall their way to at least the Big 12 title game. And then from there, you just hope you get them back. Yeah, so is that even going to be – who's Oklahoma's first loss again? Uh, that's their second loss. They're no longer – they have two yeah. losses in the Big 12. Yeah, who was their first loss? Was it a Big – more as – was it a Big 12 loss is my question. I think it was. Okay, so are they even in first place and or no. second place? No, now? it's uh, it's right now it's Oklahoma State and Texas is the the, the one and two. Okay. Which but, I mean, I, I'm not sure what Oklahoma State's schedule looks like, but I trust Texas. I mean, do I? Tr I I guess my point is I'm not sure if I really trust Texas. I don't know who they play at these last three games, but I'm not sure I trust them without Quinn Ewers back. That's 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 a fair argument. I mean, we saw him at home look shaky, but your fraud of the week. I think you kind of referenced this earlier. I'll let you take over. Uh, I have two, and uh, one's Brian Kelly. I guess I'm a little hard on him just because I don't have the greatest feelings towards him. Uh, I don't really like how he left Notre Dame or how he invented an accent all of a sudden on his <laughs> first day in Louisiana. <laughs> But and it's I know it's hard on him because he did beat Alabama in his first year. He took this is only year two of his regime there, but there was a lot of hype going into this year. And uh, frankly, he has no defense. Uh, any relevant team they've played has put up basically 40 plus points on them. And that's kind of unacceptable from an LSU standpoint. Um, 
So Brian Kelly is my fraud for not bringing LSU back in year two. I know that's an extreme ask, but that's my fraud. The other one is Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame is officially out of it again. Uh, they lose to a four and four Clemson team on the road. Shout out Clemson for storming the field, beating a team that you probably going into the year thought was a win on the calendar if you were going through them. Uh, and now just because Dabo Sweeney refuses to play the game of college football in 2023 and you're 500, you think you get to storm the court or storm the field, I guess. Uh, Sam Hartman looked horrible. That offense move got maybe one first down the entire second half. Clemson didn't score the entire, like, probably last 18, 20 minutes of the game. It was just a three-and-out fest back and forth, and all Notre Dame had to do was get one drive going. They were down by eight for what felt like the vast majority of the second half. Uh, obviously, it, you could tell by my emotions I had some gambling stakes in it, uh, and that kind of where my frustration comes from. Um, but Notre Dame is done. Weird, weird, weird season for Notre Dame, I think, so far. Uh, you lose to this subpar Clemson team. You beat, like, what I, many people thought is the best offense in the country in USC and Caleb Williams by a lot. You put up 44 against them. Um, They obviously, I almost said they lost to Duke, but they didn't. You lose to Louisville, who I guess is good. But it's just been a weird – and I, or sorry, they didn't even – they didn't lose to Louisville. Am I tripping? You, you might be. Did they, Was that their second loss or third loss? That was their third loss. That right? was loss three. Yes, that's what I thought. So it's Louisville. It's Louisville, Ohio State, and then Clemson. And then the Clemson and then the, – but they played Ohio State close. That was, I mean, not a good game from a watching standpoint, but a close game. A game they very easily could have won if it weren't for a penalty at the end. Um but just an odd season for them. They're not back. Sam Hartman can just go to whatever he, his next chapter of life is. The uh, retirement home? Retirement home, yeah. yeah. Uh, he was terrible again. So Notre Dame is my fraud of the week. And I think you have to now look at Marcus Freeman. I think he went 8-4 and four last year. No, he went 9-3 and three last year. He'll probably go 9-3 and three again this year. Uh, that's unacceptable at Notre Dame, so – He's not allowed to build his program. Yeah, boy, he's a weird one that, like, he had Brian Kelly roster the last two years. I know it's the transfer report on, I'm sure, guys left, but, like, it's not like he's taking over. I guess Brian Kelly probably took over a worse program than Marcus Freeman did. Yeah, I, I know. I'm just, hey, I'm just, I'm just trying to be the voice of debate here. You're fraud of the week. Um, this is again another one of my little uh obscure ones. And to be honest, I kind of forgot about Notre Dame. And I was just gonna say it's kind of tough to call Oklahoma losing on the road against a top twenty team at, at their arrival school as a fraud loss. Like I'm not gonna mm -hmm. do that. But I'm gonna say the concept of teams who run bootleg plays in the red zone slash on two point conversions. And I am specifically calling out Kansas State because I think they did it back-to-back -back plays in overtime against Texas. Why do you do it? You, I understand it if you're at the if you're at your own thirty, you're trying to get the quarterback moving. Maybe you know, maybe your offensive line's having a having a nightmare day against Nick Bosa or some Jared Verse, whatever it might be, and they can't protect your guy. And you want, you know what? Let's get him moving. Let's try and shift it up. Maybe change the angle tech. 
when you're doing it at the two-yard line, you cut off half of the field before you've even snapped the ball. You're yeah. cutting off 50% of your ability to score before you snap the ball when you decide to call a bootleg. Now, I think I saw it in the NFL, too. I think it's just, like, specifically when it's in that situation, I think it's a moronic play call. And that's that's my fraud of the week, is that concept in that situation. Uh, the bootleg, I think, like, to me, is to, is to spread it spread it out, get a guy on the run, like get a guy on the roll on his throwing arm. But like you can't you can't really justify that in the red zone or on the goal line, like you said, when there's not really enough space to be yeah, who like, you what are you gonna out? spread them out to? There's nothing there's, to spread there's five them out yards to. down the field and then you've hit right. the out of bounds line. Like, I, I, I just think it's I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like that's why Kansas State lost, but I think it contributed to them calling two bonehead plays in overtime. Yeah, I agree with that. I do agree with that that it doesn't make sense. Uh just from a like the pure I guess goal of, of the play in that sense, like or that part of the field, I guess. But yeah, actually I have no just I thought I had a justification for it. I do not. Um I mean in, I mean unless it's a pure you've been running it down there, they know they think you're running it down there, you set it up for some kind of play action bootleg, uh, then maybe. But, like, that's really the only justification I would ever see it yeah. being reasonable. Lunacy, in my opinion. But should we head to the to the, to the big leagues? Uh, to the pros. Where do we start? Uh, surprise of the week. I'm going to say Josh Dobbs. Um, yes, good one. So, kind of like Baker Mayfield last year. Um, he shows up to Minnesota at the deadline after Kirk Cousins goes down. And I don't know if how many of the kind of the news articles or videos you saw, he took zero snaps at practice, not zero with the starters, not zero with the backup, zero snaps in practice. There was videos of them on the sideline with any time the defense was out there. He was sitting there practicing the, the snap with the center. I've, 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 even I've know, never seen that. He didn't even know the names of two thirds of the offense. He said yep. he didn't even know their names. He yeah. said he was get he was having basically the receivers tell him what they were going to do <laughs> in that play call. Yeah, again, like it, it it was hilarious. I will give him some kudos because this isn't this isn't some like out of the box performance. He's performed pretty well for a bad Arizona team all season. So kudos to Josh Dobbs. That's my that's my surprise of the week. Now, are you seeing that? And obviously, I think the Vikings had a lot of momentum kind of before Kirk Cousins got hurt. I mentally kind of was like, okay, I'm no longer afraid of the Vikings. They now have Josh Dobbs. They're now five and four. They've won four games in a row. They're a game and a half back of the Lions who did not play this week. Do they start to worry you at all? Uh, You have to play them twice. They look great. Otherwise, the defense kind of is coming back. They didn't look amazing yesterday. A couple of good turnovers in the second half against Heineke. Um, are you afraid of them at all at this point? Not afraid, but they're at least there now. Uh, like yep. you, I think you put it pretty well. When Kirk went down, it was more of a, ah, cool, the Lions can kind of cakewalk their way and like no one can tr- challenge us. The Vikings can challenge us. There's still two games that we have to play them in. So 
I mean, we're, we're two games up right now. That lead could be snapped if they beat us twice. Um, they've kind of got their little, like, freebie part of the calendar right now. I don't know what they have to play in between the next couple games and the last two where they play us twice in three weeks. Now, maybe the season's kind of ending and there's just not enough room and I'm missing something, but they are very much alive in, the, in that race. And we talk about the Detroit Lions not being able to kind of guard or cover or play defense against mobile quarterbacks. Josh Dobbs can run. So yeah. I am, I'm not scared of the Vikings because I think top to bottom, we're still a better team than they are, but you have to at least respect them now. Yep. Agreed. That's exactly what I would say to that question. Not scared, but I respect them, their presence there. And that seven seed is kind of wide open for yep. them to take over. Well, yep. actually, to be honest, the state of the NFC at this point and the fact that that seven seed is kind of anybody's right now makes me a little more confident in the Lions simply because if this kind of goes south, I still think we can manage to be that seven seed just given the state. Oh, I mean, yeah, we've got like a two and a half game lead on the seven seed. I don't even want to talk about that because if you blow this division, you're a bomb. No disrespect. Yes. I, I just said I respect him, but I actually, I actually, I, I actually don't think we do have a two and a half game lead. The seven seed is the Vikings right now. We have a game and a half lead on them. They got two losses, or they got four losses. We got two. That's how I look at it. Okay. But your surprise of the week. Uh, my surprise of the week is how good the Ravens are. Uh, I like it. They, they go in and they spank Seattle, thirty-seven to three. Looked eerily similar to two weeks ago against the Lions. That's now two above 500 legit NFC teams that they've gone in and just absolutely dominated. They're running the ball with God knows who, like the, this undrafted rookie they have now, Gus Edwards on the goal line. Uh, Mark Andrews looks good. Zay Flowers looks good. And it doesn't even feel like Lamar has clicked quick yet. Uh, but he kind of looks better every week. And that defense is amazing. They've kind yeah. of been able to shut down every good offense. They're one of the rare teams, and we can talk about candy-ass teams um, that have good records. I think – I don't think you – I do, but you could definitely justify the Lions in this group of teams that have really only beat bad teams and have looked kind of pedestrian against the good teams. The Ravens are one of the complete opposites of that. They've dominated pretty much every good team they've played. They play in a tough division, and they're 6-2. and two. Yeah, I mean, I think the the Lamar Jackson stat that uh, kind of shows out is he is now what I think sixteen and one against the NFC, which is absurd. And now yeah. I understand when you don't have to see him that often, when you only see him once every four years, as opposed to sometimes you see him every year, depending on who you are. When with the way schedules line up, even outside of your own division, obviously there's something to that because he's such a different breed of quarterback, where he is truly that run first guy. But it's you mentioned the looking better and better. It's the passing now. Now, granted, yeah, who would have yeah. thought investing a first round pick into wide receiver and not throwing the ball to Hollywood Brown? Who would have thought that maybe that makes it a little bit easier for your quarterback to succeed? Who would have thought Odell Beckham Jr. would look this good? He had a great game yesterday. I mean, Od I don't see uh, maybe Odell Beckham gets a bad rap because people want to try and compare him to what he was seven years ago. That And that's not fair. Odell yeah. Beckham is never at injuries and in age. He's never going to be the post LSU, the first two to three years that the Giants guy that he was, where like he kind of walked into the league and was a top five receiver. 
But if you, if you expect him to be that, you're an idiot. But if you think he can't be a fringe wide receiver two, ideally you want him as your wide receiver three on a good football team, you're also an idiot because that's what he is at this point, and he's very good at it. Hmm. I like that take. Uh, so the Ravens and their skilled talent, talent team, I think they are probably the consensus number two team in a very tough AFC. For me right now. Mm-hmm. So uh your game of the week. I'm see, I think there was a couple here. I'm going with the Eagles and the Cowboys. Yes, that was a good one. Um, kind of the battle of the NFC East and probably two of the four heavyweights in the NFC as a whole. Um, kind of a good back and forth game. Cowboys lead 17-14 at the half, and you know, the Cowboys are probably kicking themselves that they didn't even get it to overtime because they really should have. Mm-hmm. Um down 28-17, score a touchdown, go for two. Dak kind of scrambles and gets to the corner, and you think he gets in. It gets called as it call, it's called a successful two-point try on the field, and then the booth takes a look at it and unfortunately stepped out of bounds while he was short. That leads it to be 23-28, to and that kind of tore apart the rest of their game plan because they needed to go for touchdowns. They had another touchdown, I think it was Luke Schoonmaker, or it might have been Ferguson, but one of the tight ends catches a pass, and – once again, call the touchdown on the field. Booth takes a look at it. His knee is down. Ball is at the six-inch yard line. They don't get it their way. Turnover on downs. So that was just kind of one where I, I'll give kudos to the Cowboys where after the San Francisco game, it was a lot of, oh, my God, these guys are pretenders. Going into Philadelphia, into the link, into kind of one of the few maybe true rivalries that exists in the NFL, and they played them straight up. Could have won. That's, I mean, that's good for the Cowboys. I think that's something where no one, there's no such thing as a moral victory, but you, you at least have to be okay with the fact that you know, come January, you can play wherever you want to play and you'll be competitive. That's exactly what I was going to say. That it was, it's a, it's a rare circumstance that a loss actually puts a team higher up on my list, but that's exactly what happened for Dallas for me. Uh, devil's advocate, though, that's exactly the kind of games that Dallas has historically lost in the playoffs over the last few years, yep. and they need to start winning those games if they ever want to take this next step and actually make a deep run to, you know, an NFC championship or you know, Jerry's wildest dreams of Super Bowl. Agreed. So, uh, but it was a good game. My game of the week, we've kind of already talked about it, was Falcons-Vikings. Back and forth, Vikings kind of came out of uh, nowhere with Josh Dobbs not even knowing the plays he was calling to win. Taylor Heineke looked good in spots, but also kind of made some Desmond Ritter-like mistakes to where he wasn't a guy that was going to win you the game or lose you the game. So now you're kind of stuck with this no-man's land. I think, personally, Heineke, you have a better chance of winning with him moving forward. This is just his first game. The other thing that I know you talk about a lot is Arthur Smith. He's a terrorist. He's a terrorist. And, oh, my goodness, uh, Tyler Algier, 12 carries. The eighth overall pick, Bijan Robinson, 11 carries. So I want to highlight one specific set. Now, this is – I don't know if you saw this tweet or maybe if you saw this live. First and goal at the one-yard line. Very first play is an incomplete pass to Johnny Smith. Then it is a jet sweep to Johnny Smith. Yep. 
Then it is a run to Tyler Algier. And then on fourth down, I believe they tried to pass, didn't get it. And on all four of those plays, Bijan Robinson wasn't even on the field. So, and that the one thing that we're like, I'm going to call Arthur Smith a terrorist because this, that's unacceptable. But I think that maybe just kind of shows that like, maybe the Bijan Robinson pick was not something he wanted. Maybe that was more of an Arthur Blank going full. Matt Millen saying, I want a season ticket player and I want someone to sell jerseys instead of I want a guy to contribute to winning football. And maybe this is Arthur Smith's way of kind of showcasing his displeasures with his with his owner. But that's not really a good way of going about your life is trying to tell your boss to go after himself because he's your boss. He signs your paycheck and he'll fire you. Yeah, and it's weird because I don't even know if that's the case to me, like to be honest, because like he's he did this with He's doing this with Kyle Pitts, who is a generational talent at his position that they picked very high and doesn't seem to really get the touches or the, you know, even uh, targets yeah, that you no, expect someone of his caliber to get. I, I, I don't get it. It's it, it, it's a joke. I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see Arthur Smith lasting there very long, to be honest, with the way things are going. Which and... is sad because he's fun. I like the mustache, the 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 sleeveless hoodie that he wears he, i don't know he's fun yeah i'm sure he is. and they're not so, bad no they're not they they get he the run first thing it's a good way to control tempo of games they kind of do have that play for him mentality but at some point if you have invested three straight top 10 draft picks on offensive skill position players which first of all that's a that's an asinine way to build a football team but if you've done that you got to use them I'll be honest. I think they have – I think they're the second-best team in their division, and in that division, you never know what could happen. I mean, sure, but, like, second-best – of the second-best garbage is still garbage. That, that yep, that kinda, yeah, I mean, that kind of feeds into my fraud of the week. I have two for this again. Go for uh, it. The Bucks are one. Um, they're one of those teams where they were three and one when they played the Lions, and people are like, oh, they're frisky. Uh, but after this week, I think they're just playing out bad. Yep. They're just playing out bad. Uh, and the other one are the Bills, losing again on Sunday night to the Bengals. Not a horrible loss. I mean, they played a competitive game against a really good team. The Bengals look like they are back-back, and they are them again, yep. uh, which was interesting with the dynamic of them kind of being fully back after having the three losses to start the year. And then the Ravens kind of – taking advantage of that in the early parts of the season and that will the Bengals be able to catch up or will they be a wild card, such a good team that they could challenge any of those top seeds in the first round of the playoffs this year, the way that it's kind of shaking out. But I think the bills are very, very mid. I don't think aside from killing the dolphins, they have not shown me any bit that they're a top five team in the AFC, that they're even a playoff team. If the playoffs ended today, they would not be in it or the yep. season ended today, they would not be in it. I think they're very mid. They're very average. The defense is not good. It seems like it's kind of Josh out. They have no run game as usual. They refuse to do it. They're not bad. They're just very mid, and they're very not even justifiably the Bills at this point, in my opinion. Yeah. Um. I, I The one thing I will say, and I, I, I abuse Justin Herbert for this, and I think it's time for – Josh Allen to start getting some of the slack as well. He leads the league in turnovers since he came into the yeah. league since he came in. 
that's unacceptable if you want to be considered a top three quarterback in football, which is what people would probably most people would probably do. He again, we we I mentioned it in in the summer. He looked like he regressed last year without Brian Dayball. Now I'm not saying it's Brian Dayball's thing, or maybe Josh Allen's just taking a step back and he's not processing something. But he continues to kind of make some stupid throws, force some stupid passes into windows that are that don't exist, and continues to turn the ball over. Had another interception, was not a great one. And you you mentioned it. Uh, the playoffs started today. They wouldn't be there. And I don't think their schedule really lightens up. I mean, they still no. have the Eagles. They have the Dolphins in Miami. Um, I'm sure they got someone else to play. So, they, I mean, they could be on the outside looking in. And the last thing I want to say about the AFC playoffs, which is, which is really cool, is if the season ended today, the entire AFC North would be in the playoffs. The entire AFC North would be in the playoffs. The entire AFC the North. Steelers would be, the would be the seventh seed? Yes, they would. Wow. That is just a cool fun fact out there. That is a cool fun fact. I think that's the best. That's clearly the best division in football. I think yeah. the Steelers could be the worst. It's like the year they were freaking 11 and 0 and then years ended up ago. 11 and 7. Yeah, they were 11 and 0, and everyone knew kind of that they were the worst 11 and 0 team. They're the worst 5 and 3 team ever. I don't understand how they're 5 and 3. Yeah, that's tough. Wasn't that eleven and O team the one that lost to Baker in the playoffs, where like the very first play from Ben Roethlisberger was a pick six? Yes. Oh, I remember that team. That was a fun team. But uh, my fraud of the week. Um, I'm kind of glad that we've kind of covered all the bases. I have the Miami Dolphins. Um, yeah. We've talked about front runners and bullies before when we talk about the Cowboys and the 49ers. I mean, my this Miami team is kind of the poster child for that. All they do is assault the bad teams by hanging 40 on their head and then just lose to the good ones. Um, fun fact, they haven't beaten a team with a winning record since week three of the 2022 season. And Ooh. now I understand Tua went down, Tua missed time. Maybe that impacted their ability to do so. But if they're such a good team and if they had Teddy Two Gloves as their backup and he's supposed to be this great backup quarterback they should have been able to beat one of them, they couldn't. They've now played the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Eagles this year. They've lost all three of them. And I guess the one bright side for them is that the Bills keep losing games because the Bills are not very good either, and Miami yep. keeps this one-game hold on the division. And I will say their schedule, like, opens up. Miami's? Yeah. yeah. They're going to play. Mean, I'm going to read you. Well, and then it, it'll be interesting because it opens up, and then their last three are going to be very interesting because okay. the way they – so Raiders win, Jets – uh, I think Good win. that's our, I don't know where you want to put the Jets at this point. We'll see how they do tonight. But uh, Commanders, Titans, and then Jets again. Yeah, that, I, I mean, you got to win. Easily all be five, five wins there, and now they're at 11. So, and then it's Cowboys, Ravens, uh, Cowboys, Ravens, Bills to end the season. Ooh, not fun. Getting the Bills of the last week is nice, though. They can probably, that's a nice little two game swing if they can win that. But, yeah, it's just the last thing I'll say is this Miami team is not going to go very far in the playoffs if they can't no. figure something out. And I understand they missed Devon A. Chain. He should be coming back after the bye week off IR because, I mean, the run game does look a little – looks like it needs some juice, but that's still not an excuse to continuously, continuously, continuously lose to teams with winning records. Got got to win one of them eventually. Yep. Um, I will say – uh, I don't think I realized this until watching kind of that game yesterday morning. 
The Chiefs might be a top five defense in the league. They're good. Um, and that's going to kind of – it still doesn't seem like Pat, like we're peak Patrick Mahomes right now, and I think that's mostly the receiver thing at this point because it's clear that it's at an all-time low at this point and that this defense can kind of just chug them along, chug them along to where they can get to a point where they're comfortable enough that he does kind of become peak Patrick Mahomes. They're the best team in the league, and they're going to win the Super Bowl again. So, yeah, high chance. They're, they're good, but I'll give the Ravens some. Uh, I'll give the Ravens some love. I don't know where the uh, how the tiebreakers go, or if those two teams have to play each other. I doubt they would because the Ravens don't have a first place schedule. But I, I think the Ravens, if they can sit there, steal home field, and make Mahomes go to them, I think you could kind of see one of the, those years where someone finally beats them, just because. That home field advantage in Baltimore once the playoff starts is outrageous. So, who are your top five teams in football now that most teams have played? Uh, now that we've kind of seen a lot of what's going on. Yeah. Give me the Philadelphia Eagles at one. I'll take the Chiefs at two because I believe in them more than I believe in the team at three, which is the Baltimore Ravens. I will slot the 49ers in here at four because I think okay. this slide is just that. It's a slide. And then at five, I think five is any one of the Lions, the Jags, the Cowboys. I, I'll, you know what? Just because of how well they're playing right now, give me the Bengals. Okay. I would say mine is Kansas City one. Philadelphia two, Baltimore three. Good. Uh, I am going to go Cincinnati four. Okay. And San Francisco five. Yeah, I mean, same five teams, slightly different order. I can't knock it. I think that's just I, I, I'm maybe giving a little bit more. Is leeway the right word? Just to kind of the teams that I've seen do it before, but. I don't know. That's yeah. I mean, that's you'd like to throw like. I think the next teams you throw in after that are probably the Lions, Jacksonville, uh, Cowboys, Miami, Miami. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's those are all teams that really haven't. Even if the teams that have made the playoffs have really not shown you anything in the playoffs, like the Cowboys yep. and Jacksonville, aside from the one win last year. Yep. Um, I guess I'll, this is I, I want to say one last thing, and I'm not going to turn this into like a full topic discussion. I'm just going to say CJ Stroud is Oof, going dangerous. He's on, pace. he's on pace to be the best rookie quarterback since Andrew Luck. Uh, he's probably already locked up offensive rookie in the year. I'm not going to lie. Um, I mean, he, he's amazing. Uh, yeah. The, the team that he in, I don't say inherited the team that he was adopted into wasn't the best they have they have some weapons they have a decent enough offensive line so like he does have something let's say like a Bryce Young doesn't have in Carolina but we've seen rookie quarterbacks get into adopted into better situations and not look as good as they have he's phenomenal so I just want to I just want to throw that out there it's not really a discussion if you want to say something go for it but I just maybe have we ever had this early a distinction between a first and second pick because Bryce Young, I know Carolina is a joke and they're horrible, 
but he's looked bad even for that situation. Yeah, uh, he he has more games with with pick sixes and he has games with multiple touchdowns or some weird step like that. He has not looked great. Um, in terms of one and two, I I'd have to pull up the the history of NFL drafts. I'm sure there's something, but it, it's it's a big gap. Um, he, he's looked so good. Uh, and I know the other thing that's kind of beyond that is you always kind of see the stories about what kind of leader he is and like the things he does with the team. So I think he's going to be a stud for the Texans for a a decade. So good for him. It's a weird one too, that people are surprised by this. Like the guy was a stud at a, at one one of the biggest football schools in the country. Like he was good in college. Like he was already, he was all, he was always a consensus top five pick. Like, should we be that surprised? Maybe to, not the degree that he's performed, but I don't know why people are surprised by this. I knew he would be solid at the very least. Did Maybe you? not quite this fast. Did you, or were you one of those people who screams, OSU quarterbacks are not good? I, I'm not uh, saying No, that I don't you, sound like that, first of all. <laughs> I, you know what I mean, though? I, I think that's where the biggest thing for a lot of people is like, and that's why I always like to bring this up because, like, this to me is like a big, like, screw you to all the people. Like, oh, he couldn't write his name on a test, so he's going to be a bum. Or, oh, oh my God, um, Cardell Jones, who never even got drafted because he wasn't actually good at football, he wasn't good in the NFL. So that means that a guy who played a decade later can't be good. I hate those narratives. I'm so glad that he's shattering them. I love CJ Stroud. He's fun too. Just the way he plays the game is also good. Yeah, I like I like the touchdown celebrations. Yes, and they've got like you said, they're not good, but like they've got something there. It's a it's a it's a franchise right now where you were in PR hell with the Sean the Deshaun stuff and having your back, and then all that happened, and then he leaves. Um, to turn around now and after what it's they've kind of been through. And even if they go, what are they? Are they four and five now? Four and four. Four and four. Uh, say they go six. Even if they only win two games the rest of the year and go only win six or seven games, you could still look and go, wow, we've got our guy. We showed a lot of improvement. Like we've got our coach locked into. Tank Dell looks good. Young player. Like it's almost like the us, like the line, maybe it won't be as extreme for them like as it was for us this year, but like it's almost like the Lions fan, like our fandom kind of going into this past off season. Yeah, and the, and the thing that I'll add to that, which kind of also kind of screams eerily similar to the Lions, is they've got Cleveland's first rounder this year. Now I know they don't have their own because they traded that away to trade up for Will Anderson, but they have Cleveland's first rounder, so they still have a first round pick this year. And I believe they also have Cleveland's first rounder the year after as well. And so they'll they'll have two first round picks in 2025 so like they have the capital to build a squad around it yeah it's just an, it's an organization where you're like they can't they can't be doing that it's like the lions like are we really able how can anyone believe that brad holmes is going to build this thing that's going to be good for years on end like the eagles or the chiefs or any of those organizations like that's not the lions that's how i feel about houston too but i hope for them it's possible yep all right Honestly, this is I think we had a pretty good discussion given that there was no lines. We kind of got up to the, the around hour mark. I don't have anything. I'll give you some kind of final words and we'll kind of go with the usual sign-offs. Anything anything left you want to add? Uh big win by Michigan State over Nebraska. Held them off. I know they had a late comeback. 
that ball was not a touchdown. Um, three and six, you win your last three. I know two of them are against two top ten teams in the country, but uh, you never know. You might get a bowl game. So yeah, there you go. Let's go bowling. Go green. <laughs>